off the ball, cheering on the girls in green. I followed the Irish women since 1983. 82,000 people, that's going to be something else. There'll be a hell of a lot of Irish in that, and it'll be a hell of a game as well. Love off the ball, we really do love off the ball. Hurling on off the ball. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Now, as Limerick go to contest a fifth All-Ireland Hurling final in six years, it's hard to countenance the depths to which the sport had once sunk in the county. Back in 2010, effectively a shadow team were left to concentrate on the year with a player strike, relegation, and Liam McCarthy was just a distant dream. Three veterans of that era join us now to discuss uh, the early 2010s in Limerick Hurling and the current successes over which they now find themselves flowing in. Andrew O'Shaughnessy, Noel Moran and Paul Brown join us on the line. Good evening to you all, gents. Good evening. Kind of feel, Good evening, kind of feel a bit like the Brady Bunch here with the, the four of us on screen all the one time. But um, it's it's mad to look back on now. Andrew and, and Noel, I guess I'll start with ye, uh, Andrew in particular. When we think back on 2007, getting to an All-Ireland final and beaten by, you know, a fairly competent or more so uh, Kilkenny team in that year, to think how quickly things devolved, it almost seems mad at this far removed. But take us back there, Andrew, and your kind of memories of that. My memories of that. Oh, that's a good one. Um, obviously, you say 2007, we got to Northern final. We're beaten in the Munster final and Northern Ireland final. Uh, and in hindsight, looking back now, we say, well, it came up against a crack at Kenny team, a, a generational team. But I keep saying at that, era, at that stage in their their dynamic and their their journey, they were only... only they won their second All Ireland against us, so they weren't aiming for five in a row at that stage. They were only starting, so we weren't far off that. Uh, we got a bad start. Came back in the match, actually outheard them for the last, like, about the first 10 minutes, we outheard them, I felt. But still, we just didn't close the gap. Um, progress onto eight and nine, you're trying to get back to that in All Ireland final, but then clearly we didn't, and then it just kind of capitulated. Um, again, in hindsight, that was probably a blessing for this Limer team, so they seemed to, action was taken following that, that strike I suppose uh, processes were put in place and we seem to be reaping the rewards now Niall the theory of lifting the treaty was, was effectively brought in before everything collapsed when 2007 becomes 2008 and 2009 and everything that follows on from that are occurring what sense is there within the county that things should be on an upward curve within the coming years I suppose that whole period was kind of defined by frustration. Um, I suppose frustration on and off the pitch. Um, I suppose for us as players, um, we probably, myself and Andrew, I suppose we would have come into the panel there in 2000 and, uh, 2003 on the back of a couple of 121 All-Ireland successes. And at that time, you still had the core of a very strong Limerick team that would have been the most final in 2001. And you still have had the residue of some of the guys who played in 94 and 96. So... So that was a huge period in the early 90s of hope for Limerick. But then year on year, I suppose frustration grew um, in the sense that you were coming up short just about every year, oftentimes by a point. Uh, year on year, from 2003 right through to probably 2009, it felt as if we were going through a manager year on year. So I suppose that whole period was defined by frustration. And with that then, obviously, lifting the treaty was born out of it. But obviously before that kind of took flight, um, I suppose what happened in 2009 and look, the day in which it all came to light publicly, I suppose, was the day of Uncrow Park, the other in the semi-final. Um, I suppose any time that you see a team kind of getting defeated by 24 points, it's more than just a malfunction. It often is just the culmination of a series of system failures. And I suppose, look, on and off the pitch, um, 
I suppose us as players we felt huge frustration that I suppose your ambitions weren't being matched maybe off the pitch and I suppose for people who were off the pitch they felt that the players weren't reciprocating the effort that was going into them and look again everyone has their own personal story to tell and to be honest Richie it's it's something that's water under the bridge for all of us and we're delighted it's water under the bridge and we, there's no one going to take credit and say well that was the moment that Limerick decided to go and, and progress on to win the All-Ireland that they did but there's no point in saying that the culture of our county changed significantly following those events from not 9 to 11 um, again on an individual level I know Andrew probably we'd be on the same page in this like I know on a personally the Saturday after we played that All-Ireland semi-final against Dublin I remember meeting Liam Lennon at a Hurling Academy hosted by our school for incoming first years and um, just spoke about the results and obviously how disappointed everyone was but I suppose on a personal level I made it known to him I said I just didn't believe in what we were doing and I said uh, like, if I don't believe in what we're doing I said then the only reason you're, you're hurling is say that you're a Limerick hurler and I said if that's your reason for, for playing hurling for Limerick then you're already cooked and look I don't know was that probably was that real age informally or otherwise but Look, I suppose there there are things that that's the stance that to this day, if I had my way over again, I'd make it again because I suppose as players at that time, you have to believe in what you're doing, and we ultimately didn't. And um, I suppose look, some of us paid the price for making those feelings known. And uh, look again, it's like everything; it, it's water under the bridge. But it maybe took that low, and no different to what the stance being taken by the the ladies. Um, John Camogie players and footballers at the moment. Sometimes it just needs to get to that level and. Unfortunately, you cannot have change. You cannot have change without conflict, and do you know what I mean. Conflict can only be avoided or kind of remedied through communication. I suppose ultimately that communication was never present at that time, and that to me would be the big regret of how we dealt with our business. Paul, you're the baby of the bunch here. Uh, still only 33, uh, I believe, and only came onto the panel in 2009. Did you have any sense of what you were walking into at that stage? I'm sure you probably would have been briefed to some degree by your clubmates, but did you know how badly things were going awry within the county panel? Uh, to be honest with you, Richie, not, not particularly, no, because I think I was so young. I think some of the older players, like Andrew and I, and two more would have even sheltered myself and a couple of the new lads into the panel from it at the very start, you know. So I suppose I was new into the panel and more kind of focused on finding my feet and, and getting to grips with playing senior county hurling more than anything, you know. But um, obviously, as the year went on, I suppose there was a couple of things during the year that probably weren't the standard they should have been, you know. And obviously, it culminated in that defeat in above in, in Crow Park against Tipperary was a real low point of my career, even though it was so early on and it remained so, you know. But um, I just think when it came to the year after then, the strike was, was kind of coming. I actually didn't, but I just felt at the time I was so new and so young into the panel that... I nearly didn't have the right to or something, you know. So I kind of just kind of was happy to to be to be there thereabouts at the time. But I think subsequent to that, in years come to come from that, when you were back in 11, 12, 13, and I just think you kind of realise more so than ever that I suppose things probably weren't right in in '09, you know. Um, and I but I think it was always a reference point for players to never let it get that bad again, and obviously to drive on. Um, but as nice as it there, I think that was like. It definitely is water under the bridge. I actually don't think there's anyone in Limerick not talking to each other because of 2010, to be honest. Um, it was a watershed moment for the county uh, in moving forward, really. Now, that kind of speaks to the sense that everybody, to a degree, even though there was a bit of animosity at the time and there was talk of players being coerced into rejoining the panel, etc., etc., that 
I think everybody kind of realised that, that this was a low point and that things did need to change and that is unusual like you go to other counties where perhaps there's been a bit of animus or perhaps there's been strikes now if it's gotten that far there can be a fairly evident split but everybody more or less seemed to be on the one side of this thing Said again, everyone tends to be on the one side in the sense, in sense of what? In the sense of... In the sense of knowing that things needed to improve from where they were. Yeah, but I suppose not everyone was aware of that either, Richie, to be honest. Like, and the first thing I, I kind, of, kind of premise what I'm about to say is that like Justin McCarthy is a legend in, in all GA. We held him in very, very high regard and still do, despite everything that went on. No different anything, no different marriage breakup. Just because you, you fell out, it doesn't mean that you hold him in the utmost respect. And I, for one, learned an incredible amount of Justin McCarthy in, in some facets of the game that my eyes had never been open to. Um, I also appreciated the county board officers at the time, who we may not have agreed with or seen eye to eye to. So surely, again, like they obviously wanted what was best for the county at the time, but there was fundamental things wrong with our preparation, maybe, and, and how we trained, the intensity and how we trained. And that had been, had been relayed at the time. Um, do you know what I mean? Through the county board and, and obviously to Justin and I just think there was such a breakdown in communication that okay, it led to what it led to but again, when you're beaten by 24 points in the game, of course there's an acknowledgement from all the, the best of the parties that, that something isn't right but again, look I think Paul will probably agree there like the events of 2013 I think in the Gaelic Grounds we won the most final I just think that really put it to bed at that particular point and I think probably what it set was the bedrock for the guys coming in, the miners who would have played that day in the main, that they were never privy to what would have went on. And I think, look, all stakeholders that were privy to what went on in nine, I think you'd be delighted for that. But I often think back to some of the guys that, you know what I mean, they never got that chance to right the wrongs of it. And I think someone like Mark Foley, who was a legend in Limerick for 15 years, he never got to retire really on his own terms. And he took a stand. I think someone like Damien Rail, who was one of the, Premier cornerbacks in the country at that time, and you know one thing I, I'll never ever uh, forget is so. And I, I know people might disagree, but how your teammates stuck up for you. Um, I think in a dressing room, the most important people to this day and will always be are the people inside the four walls of the dressing room, and that loyalty and that bond. And one thing that Damien Rail would have spoken about at that time when, when Justin, when they made it known at the first meeting of, of the new uh, panel. Uh, Justin, the, the issue was addressed about the 12 guys who had, had been dropped. And I suppose, look, at the time, the kernel of the argument was that no communication had been made to them. That was, at the time, was the kernel of the argument, but really it was a smokescreen for why they were dropped and why players had issues. But again, coming back to Damien that time, uh, he stood up for his players and he was told that, uh, Damien, you're, you're not your brother's keeper. And Damien Reyes says, well, I am my brother's keeper. And I think that loyalty in that dressing room, that's something you see it there now and Brownie would say it again like that. Nothing gets out of the dressing room. They're, they're loyalty towards each other. So look, again, all of those, a lot of the things, the problems that were born out of what I've read, a lot of the culture that came in around that time, it's, it's standing to good seed now. And look, if that was a stand that had to be taken back then, so be it. But like Brownie said, it, it is water under the bridge for, for everyone here in Limerick. Andrew, was there much trepidation when the decision was made to go on strike like you clearly knew that that was a proper line in the sand moment beyond which there might be no return for if not all of you then a de- then maybe a decent chunk of you uh, as Noel mentions there but was there a moment of trepidation where you maybe looked at each other and thought maybe we need to hold back here a little bit uh, I don't think so um, like because I was like now we were one of the 12 drops so we weren't really privy to 
going on strike because we weren't strike. It wasn't an option for us because yeah, yeah. we we weren't on the panel. So again, it's back to likes of Railer Gears and the boys. They kind of standing up for what they believe in. And like, in fairness to Limerick, like we're we're probably the only team that ever got a strike wrong. It's, we weren't <laughs> successful in our strike. Like <laughs> we we sent out another team and like for Paul, Graham, Nicky, first year on the panel. That was awful position for them to be put in, but. They were just in the panel in the county set up, so they had to stay involved. And like, there's the one thing I will say, like, never was there a bad word spoken between either set set of players, and there was never them and us. It was always just for Limerick and trepidation. I'm not too sure. Um, uncharted waters. Everyone didn't want to be in that situation. We all just wanted to do what was right for Limerick, uh, good, bad, or different. We saw, as Niall said and Bernie said, like, the systems weren't really being done as best it could be. Like, so you give up your life playing into the county, you dedicate yourself to inter-county. It's a big commitment. Mm. When you're doing you're, when you're doing it, you want to do it to the best of your ability and you want things laid on few. And fair enough, if you don't win after after a year, thought is at your door. But when you're not getting things, basic things that you want to be getting, I think that's where the issue was. And again, as Niall said, it wasn't an issue of being dropped. The fact that you weren't given a, court, a courtesy call, not that you should be expecting it, but common decency to move on is just let a person know they're not wanted for the year for the year or however. What were some so, of the basics that you felt you were missing at the time? Hmm. How long is this podcast? Um, <laughs> so I'm coming from a perspective with my military background. I'm somewhat professional and I like same as Niall and Brownie. So I grew up in Niall and we are absolutely dedicated to doing the right things and just yeah, it's a lot like I just you turn turn up training. You just want the basics. You want to arrive Slitters, water, physio, everything available and available and just do it. But yeah, I just I just felt a lot of the training was very basic. Like there's a time and place for ramping up training and doing the right training and heavy load. And like, the, to be honest, the hardest week, in my own personal view, the hardest weekend of hurling tra- training with Limerick in 2009 was the week before the All-Ireland final, All-Ireland semi-final. We went down to Clarny and we had a real tough, tough session and tough week weekend which that should be in my view we should have been used for kind of just a bonding light hurling recovery enjoyment but again that was just one of the issues and again we are done about communication you see with the current Limerick setup like it's they're all talking the same they're all articulating their their issues the same they're raising the same concerns they're very well versed to be honest I didn't know it was going on and if, if I'm saying that you can the likes of Brownie and Justin just try to make their way on the team they wouldn't have a notion what's going on. And then, so I was in there for five or six years at this stage and same with Niall and Ollie and stuff. They're in a long time. And if you're trying to figure out where you're going, like that's, that has to be addressed and it wasn't. Had things been better before then when the likes of Richie Bennett were in charge? Yes. Like it was more communication. So you had, not, not saying players wanted to do the training, but you were asked your opinion, how things going and feedback and you give suggestions. They can use it or they don't use it, but at least you felt you're, you were being considered and, part of a panel in a group and that's what you do like if you're getting any group you have to it has to be 360 information in and out it's not just I'm in charge do this and you say why no you're doing it because I say it's not it's not this, that day and age is gone it's modern sports science is all available you want the best for a group and that group goes from player 36 of the panel to this that's when, that's all the group like yeah um Paul, like it, it, it's difficult for when you're a young player coming through like that when you see all that tumult going on around you as uh, Andrew mentioned there, he was one of the 12 dropped. Uh, there were others that obviously left in solidarity. When you're one of those ones playing on, how are you feeling? Was was there a sense of like, was the word scab used at all? Did you have any kind of um, 
worries about how you will be perceived throughout the county by playing on with the team? Um, even though, as Andrew said there and Niall said, like there, it was never, it was never like no one ever openly came out and criticised the people who stayed playing. To be honest with you, I was I was actually very grateful for that at the time because at the time I actually felt very awkward and it was a very difficult year for myself as a young lad trying to play on. And I've often said that, um, but. Like, it was very difficult. You did feel as if people were looking at you in the street and stuff like that and saying, oh, he's still playing, you know, and things like that. And why didn't he go and stuff like that? And that was, the, but that was more so from the public, you know, who really don't have any boundaries when it comes to speaking to people playing as was inter-county hurling or football, really, you know. Um, but it was very difficult. Uh, the lads who came in, like, were great lads. Um, but I suppose there was always the sense that we were kind of seeing out the year, to be honest with you, you know, like, there were six lads left over from the year before and everyone else in was new. Um, and some of those lads, you know, I do feel sorry for some of those lads who came in as well because when the year after came in 2011, a lot of those lads might have been good enough to be on the panel themselves or try and make their way. But they were kind of discarded then, you know, straight away. I even think uh, there was a, Dean Madden in my own club in Broth there was a really good hurler at the time. And I suppose he came in in 2010, but he never got a go again after that. You know, and I think there was a good few lads in kind of that boat. But um, there was kind of a sense of seeing out the year. Like, we shipped some really heavy beatings, like, you know, um, particularly the last league game against Dublin above in Parnell Park was, they scored 6.30 the same night, you know, and the same afternoon. And we went into the, the, the we got a, we, we gave a good account of ourselves against Cork, you know, for a while. And then they kind of turned us over and won handily enough. And we kind of went up and did give a good account of ourselves in Offaly in the qualifiers. But like, it was always a case of you just seeing out the year more so than anything. Niall, what was your feeling from the outside looking in, seeing those results and seeing the hammerings at Parnell Park and Dublin putting six goals past the, the the team that was being asked to play on those particular evenings? It was heartbreaking. Um, ever since you were a child, all you ever want to do is hurt for Limerick. I know that's cliche, but everything in my life revolved around it, no different than most lads. And there you are, you're you're left at home, you're, you're January, you're training six nights a week on your own in the hope that this thing will be remedied by after the league. And that was always the hope. Like we trained right throughout the early part of that year, April, May, you still, you're in the best nick that you ever were, but the opportunity was never going to come. And then you go out of, of a night in Limerick and you've lads coming up giving you guff saying, big boy now, aren't you? Where's your, where are you the county man now? And this was like, do you know what I mean? You'd be out having a my wadi and you're in people's company and these lads coming in having a dig and, Again, then, I suppose, like, there were stories peppering because no different to any conflict. Do you know what I mean? They're, like, John, there's always going to be byproducts of stories, whatever else. I actually remember one particular night where after school, we were after winning a Hearty Cup, and, and this guy came up to me and he said, because uh, you were dropped because you're on drugs. And I was, what? And he says, uh, actually, you're, you're on drugs. Like, and I said, I'm a school teacher, like, by profession, and I was in the company of colleagues. And I remember just being... Excuse me, like, this is where is this coming out of? And I filtered the story back, and what it would have come back to was I'd be off and out and night out, and you'd be drinking my waddy, and you'd be, you'd be up and down having great crack because that was the nature, that was my nature. Other than that, you, you know what I mean? If you're not going to be drinking, you want to enjoy yourself and night out. And I, I remember close to one of the selections at the time, a family member was obviously out the same night, and the story made its way back. This guy was up and down like that. So obviously, if you're on my waddy and you're out and you're behaving like that, then you obviously must be on something. And, so like that, this was the kind of innuendo that was often kind of suggested, and uh, it, it was a cruel time. And I, I suppose one other thing, Richie, like and again, is like you have such a short window as an intercounty player, yeah. all right. And and this is why conflict sometimes develops. You have such a short window as an intercounty player. You're putting so much into it, 
And like once that window's getting narrower, you're not going to accept what were low standards. And I even know Brownie might even back this up, but even in 10, there was one particular one of those championship games that you went to where the lads are fed out of a filling station prior to the match. Like that story came back. So like I know and Andrew, you asked Andrew earlier about articulating stories like do you know what I mean? Like there would have been elements whereby people who weren't involved in the, the kind of team in one occasion took a session uh, two weeks before championship and decided to get a ground on the Saturday. Like there was stand- that's the kind of standards I was talking about. Um, even that particular day that we went up to Tipperary to take them on, we were out of our beds at quarter six that morning. I remember going into um uh, name losing there now inside Raheem for breakfast before, but like those things were, do you know what I mean? Like that wasn't preparation that you'd expect out of elite athletes. Yeah, that might have made sense to maybe some officials who came from a different era, or it might make sense to a guy who's in a club setup saying, sure, what's wrong with having a roll out of a film station? But when you're competing against the likes of Cork at the time, who set all the standards, and obviously Kenny through their success, then, you know, so like that was very hard for us to take. So, in kind of summation, it was, it's heartbreaking. And to this day, Richie, those years eluded a number of us. Like, because when you last out in that year, there was a couple of years made kind of catching up with it. And, and ultimately, even on my own case, your little yard of pace, it just kind of deserted you from being out of that system. And look, as I said to you earlier on, would you do it all over again? I would, because, do you know what I mean? For all of us, and we're all fortunate, we've worked with underage here in Limerick, like we were able to implement standards that were acceptable. And I think to this day, like you know, at underage and senior level, Limerick standards of operations have never looked back from that period. And as I said, that is the most positive byproduct that ever came out of that time. Like. Andrew, what was your uh, dalliances with the public like at the time? Were they accusing you of all sorts for being on sugar buzzes like Niall there? Or? Uh, no, see, I'm the opposite of Niall. I'm very quiet by nature. So I, <laughs> I, I barely talk to my wife and my, my family. So I kind of... I put on a, a frown and people just stay away from me. I, I just like like everyone. You have your own group of group of people who you trust and you 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 talk and you're open with them. And outside that, I be com- I make conversation with people and they try to draw you out and get your opinion. But I naturally stayed away from it. I didn't want to put in or out. And I had my own issues at that time that were more important to me. And sport took a backward seat, so it didn't really involve me. What I was truly upset and gutted to be gone from the Limerick setup because like Niall and Peroni everyone you dedicate your life to this amateur sport and you want the best you want to be out in Crow Park every year and you want to push the standards and just have that taken away it's fine but to have it taken away the way it was it was just a tiny tiny bit irksome but again as Niall says and Peroni says if what came out of it is what followed and the success we have if some of that is down to this then I'm awkward and I'm supportive of that You personally were, were diagnosed with MS uh, around that yeah. time as well weren't you? Yeah, so the first I heard about this was I was inside the hospital in Limerick and Dermot Flynn for the examiner rang me. I goes, how did he find out I'm in the hospital already? He goes, you probably know I'm ringing you. I said, go on, tell me. And he goes, uh, you gone from Limerick panel? I goes, this is the first I heard of it. Uh, I said, I don't know. I didn't hear anything. And that was it. I said, I have other things to be dealing with now. And in fairness to Dermot, we get on well. He just left me alone. But that was my priority. Like, and I think that annoyed me as well then. So when it came out about my diagnosis, which wasn't confirmed, at the time, it was in early 2010 when it was confirmed. But I think just made a statement about that, that was the reason he's gone because of the diagnosis, which he wasn't aware of. That kind of annoyed me and he rang me back subsequently to apologise, but water was under the bridge that stage. When did it first come to light for you that that that, that, that might be on the horizon? Which no? The, the, the MS diagnosis. Oh, just uh, it's around, I'd say October 2009. Yeah. But yeah. 
was yeah, there anything, was there anything that, that, you, that you twigged something was wrong or yeah I just said my speech I had a little slur kind of like Bell's palsy and so I just went to have a look at it I was going I'm supposed to watch to Chicago with my girlfriend at the time now my wife and just had a look and they kept me back and did a few tests and all the tests came up clear and I was young fella saying geez I'm fine I'm fine yeah. but then I got, I got a subsequent contrast test in February 2010 and then that was when it was confirmed how did it kind of affect your playing days then I'd argue that 2010, I said I was I was the fittest I had been yeah. since it, I was fitter in 2010 hurling with the club than I was with 2009 with Limerick. Um, I'd like to think it didn't affect me, but clearly it did. So you you like Niall, you lose a year of pace, so I'm putting it down to age or whatever. But it's obviously not that, but that's the way I kind of look at it. Um, it would have so when you finish in the county, you obviously want to play five, six, seven years at your club. It probably affected me that way that I wasn't as dominant as I w- would like to be with the club. But again, that's that's life, and you deal with these things. Yeah. Uh, Paul, when we come back to the Justin McCarthy era ending, as far as you saw it at the time, was that going to be the end of all those troubles and moving on? Or did you see any kind of hangover from, uh, you know, those droppings and then the strike and all that went with it? Um, again, as I've said before, in 2011 rolled around, and we had to change the management and stuff in, in, in Limerick. There was zero hangover. I think everyone was just glad to be back in, in on the same page in the whole county as well. And and there was actually support. I felt generally around the place from the public and stuff that you know everyone's back and we're ready to drive on here. And as I said, I think 2010 seemed the year out. I'm not sure anyone really felt that Justin would be there in 2011 again. You know, mm. obviously that that conspired to happen in the off season that year, but. Um, obviously Donald O'Grady then came in and um, I just think he brought a lot of something different to set up and, and a lot of the lads were back some lads didn't come back you know um, but uh, no there was no hangover to be honest that I felt anyway we actually we trained quite hard and we had a decent enough old league and you know we didn't um, we didn't have much success in the year but I felt there was definitely positive steps forward you know um, and we were close enough or we were getting there anyway I felt and it wasn't like when, when you consider it how uh, close this all was when you go to 2007 being in an All-Ireland final 2009 this all comes to a head 2010 uh, unfortunately the strike is on and relegation follows and then three years later geez, you're winning the first Munster title in, in a decade and a half uh, things tend to write themselves fairly quickly uh, yeah they did write themselves fairly quickly but I often said that group of players that came through that time, maybe 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, were very close to making a breakthrough in itself. And I think a lot of the standards that the group of players from, say, the academy set up that first came in, you know, the likes of Keane and Sean and all that co- co- cohort there that came through first with all the underage success, they were coming into a setup that had really high standards for themselves and for the group as it was. The likes of, you know, Niall was there. I suppose the likes of Wayne Mack, Gavin O'Mahony, Paddy O'Brien, Stephen Walsh, David Breen, all these fellas, Seamus Hickey, that were playing, you know, at at at, at a high level, like and, and performing. And Joe, we were in our semi-finals. You know, we were in two Munster finals in thirteen and fourteen, and the standards were there for the players to come into. I know we didn't have success in fifteen and sixteen, but I often put that down to the fact that, like, I suppose, I suppose sports psychology and all that at the time mentally really wasn't a, a thing to be looking into back then but we never really dealt with the 13 and 14 like you know I suppose in a sporting sense they were hugely traumatic events like you know and like 13 winning Munster and we kind of got a bit carried away and got turned over by Clare they went down and won it in 14 then you know we we lost the cart but we gave everything we had in the semi-final and still came up short you know like literally a man that day on the field above in Crow Park in Skikini in the deluge like 
we gave everything we had and we're still came up short like and I just we never addressed it and I think there was a massive hangover that carried into 15 and 16 and unfortunately um it, it took the it took the last couple of years with a couple of lads in that panel and they never were they weren't there then for the breakthrough I suppose John mm. 17 and 18 when John came in I think you're part of the, the playing a fairly significant part in the academy now um it's it's hard to countenance as is mentioned at the top of the piece like uh, what a difference that has made to the county. What do you see as its role now in preparing that next generation of Limerick hurlers? Well, I suppose the first thing to say is that if there was a lack of communication previously, which was the crux of a lot of this, I think the fact there is a huge amount of communication between all the stakeholders now, you know, hmm. be that county board, board Manoa, coaching the games and the academy, there's kind of four entities there, you know. Um, and there's kind of procedures and processes to follow and everyone knows their role and everyone plays their part and we get huge support from all avenues um, to be honest with you and I suppose it's 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 a standards thing really and I suppose you know respecting the jersey and, and doing as best you can and training as hard as you can that, that really the academy instills you know there's nothing there's nothing off the walls or, or extraordinary that goes on inside there and um, you know it's clear communication it's it's been clear about what people are expected to do and what's expected of them from the players, coaches, management side of things, and then I think they they carry that on then from that into the senior setup and they're kind of well-rounded individuals when they leave and you know they're ready to to step forward and progress uh, into trying to make a breakthrough to a senior team. To be honest, Niall, as as, as Paul mentions there, it's it's crazy what. Uh, a bit of common sense and communication can actually bring about in a county. Yeah, and honestly, look, we got our structures right. Like, John, there's there's never been a shortage of hurlers in Limerick, and that's true throughout all the decades. And I suppose, in some ways, in 2018, part of the greatest indictment was that was one Ireland won in 78 years for a county that's sports mad, and that. So I mean, we've such strong clubs here. We've population base has never been an issue. Do you know what I mean? So I suppose, look, those standards are now in place. Um, and again, look, no different to the era, maybe after the 40s, like the, the 30s was a golden era for Limerick. Like we went from right through the 40s then, we had nothing like zone 55 won a monster final. So like, uh, this was the key thing here is that history doesn't ever repeat itself. And so now we're enjoying this golden era, but as I keep on saying, the, the real legacy that left me behind of, of the current group is when we win our next All-Ireland outside of that group. And that's, that's the other in the eight and ten years' time. And again, even just listening to Brownie talking about standards that are in place, it, it often kind of brings it back to kind of the, the all-black mantra of leaving the jersey in a better place. And they, they talk about be the tree you'll never see. And I suppose when he spoke about the likes of John, Gavin and Paddy and these guys, John, if you mentioned to some of the, the current generation about some of the guys who went before in the mid-naughties and do you know what I mean? Into the into the tens that you know, they, they might hold them in the same esteem or they might know what they had to go through. And do you know what I mean? I suppose that's probably always the most pleasing thing that, in the sense that look that legacy now going forward will be a lot more positive and that standards will always be there. But again here in Limerick and we, we have to have that growth mindset and like through the academy, through our clubs, through our schools, that growth mindset has to be there that how we get the next All Ireland, and I, I think everybody is on the same hymn sheet there at the moment, which is really, really good. I, I, I have a feeling I know what your answer will be on this one, but do you have any sense of envy uh, about what's going on now and about what you had to go through? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, anybody ever asked the people ask you about? Well, do you ever regret anything? And I don't regret the strike, or I don't regret the games that we never won. I always regret not just fulfilling my ambition. 
all right, as uh, kind of a, as a, in terms of what you achieve for them, but also fulfilling your probably ability. And like no different to Andrew, like and, and there was lots more like us that we had those kind of core um, abilities. And the one thing that I always found about the lads that came through Limerick at that particular time was after the age of 18 or 19, a lot of guys never developed any further. When you look at guys then that you'd played with in like Cork or uh, Kenny or Tip, you might have played Skibbon with them, you might have played colleges against them, and they always seem to get better. And in our case, we seem to kind of stagnate at a level. And I suppose I see someone like David Reedy there now, a really, really good guy, but he's just maxing out. Like, John, he's an incredible hurler. Dan Morrissey from my own club, I think an old money, like fellas, he may not have made a Limerick squad because he'd have been thrown aside because he might have been lacking elements of it. But when you see the system that they're in and how they fulfill their ability and then through that fulfill the, the ambition for, uh, for a squad and a county, that is ultimately the big regret. So, yeah, you're envious, but what do you do? You, we're now in the position where, where our playing careers are coming to the end and you're over teams. And I suppose the key to it is that if you're lucky enough to be in charge of a group of men, that you do your very best through communication and technical elements, etc., to help fulfill their ambition. And that's all you can do at this stage. Our, our days are over unless John Cody's injury just gets a little bit longer. <laughs> I think I don't think any three of us will be getting a call at this stage. Who knows? If there's another strike on the horizon, there's a certain generation of very experienced hurlers out there who've got a bit of background behind them as well. Um, listen, I want to talk about this weekend as well because, as we mentioned, it is when you look back on, on what Limerick has been and it had a habit uh, Paul you're clearly uh, up in your history or no, you're pretty clearly up in your history as well it's been a, a case of boom and bust with Limerick hurling down through the years or down through the decades it certainly have been up until these last five, six, seven years um, I'm just wondering how you see Andrew Kilkenny as being much of a roadblock on Sunday and how difficult they will be to you know a, an opponent in which to claim fourth All-Ireland from Yeah obviously enough I'm like the lads I'm going up confident in Limerick's ability but I'm not naive enough to say that you're going to brush Kilkenny aside no team in the history of sport has ever brushed Kilkenny aside you saw a perfect example in the Leinster final they were 8 points up Galway came back Galway led Galway should have won but Kilkenny were always 2 points 2 points and when Kilkenny are 2 points they also have a chance to snatch a victory that's exactly what to do so like any day you go to Kilkenny and that's kind of Limerick I'd say model their, their style to a certain extent on Kilkenny you have to have the minimum you go with your, your attitude, your commitment, your work rate, and then whatever way it falls, you play it. So, like that's going to be the crux this this day on Sunday. It's just the attitude that Limerick players approach and how they can wear wear down Kilkenny, where you can now or not. I'm not too sure because both teams have been improving, and it's going to be a culmination and a fantastic final. I feel all through this year, Paul. I've gotten this. Well, he it's not necessarily gotten the sense. He's been kind of overt about it, um, John Coyne, and saying that perhaps. People don't have a full appreciation of this Kilkenny side, and there's been, or this Limerick side, pardon me, uh, pardon the slip, but there's been a sense of, um, I don't know, people have almost been underestimating them. I've never gotten that sense that we in the media have, have, have underestimated Limerick, but perhaps that defeat to Clare earlier on the championship has stung a little bit more than perhaps we thought it might have. Um, yeah, the defeat to Clare definitely stung for, for Limerick people, I think. Um, I just think, to be honest, uh, a lot of it comes back to just a, a fear that, you know, the the winning might be coming to an end at some stage or might ever come to an end, you know. And I think that, that so I think they're using, the lads inside in the group will be using any kind of, um, any kind of a, a tool they can to get to get an edge, you know. Um, but I just, 
Yeah, definitely Stone. I think they're trying to use all those kind of aspects to drive themselves on. But um, I, I think people are just really hoping that they might be coming to the end from other counties, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's often where the, the lines from the media and the journalists come from as well. But look, as as Andrew said there, like, it's going to be an incredibly difficult task on, on Sunday. Um, I think Kenny have been kind of hoping to meet Limerick this year, to be honest. I was sent to Arthur off air that... I was involved with the minors and we played a challenge game in, in Nolan Park um, after the, the league game Kilkenny played against Dublin and I got out from the old restrooms there to the side of the field and some of the Kilkenny lads were, the game was going on like and I was looking at these fellas and I was like, lad, these are monsters, like they're after getting bigger again from what they were, the Kilkenny lads and I was, in my own head I said to myself, here's the team now who are coming for Limerick this year, you know, and they're going to match them physically and go toe to toe with them and, and, and hope they come out on top, you know. And they gave a very good account of themselves last year trying to do the exact same. And look, I, I think if you want to beat Limerick, you have to go at them, hammer and tongs the exact same way they play. And I think Kenny are going to try and do that on Sunday. Niall, that element of physicality has been brought up time and time again over the last three, four years as maybe a, 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 a reason why Limerick have been able to keep teams at arm's length. That doesn't seem like it's going to be the case this Sunday. They're going to be going up man for man here in terms of physicality, in terms of a team that are able to match Limerick with what they bring in that sense. Yeah, obviously, Kenny have always been able to match and I suppose even looking at last year's final, it, it was the same. Like It wasn't because of physicality that Limerick won. It wasn't because of shooting efficiency that Limerick won. Ultimately, if you're to peel it back on a technical level, I think it was even just looking at Limerick, how they... The success of their own puck outs, especially their long puck outs, I think they're operating up with about 75-80% success of their own long puck outs. Um, Kikenny probably went to try and mark man on man and in essence left a lot of zones free that they created a, a volume of space. I think like you had a half forward line for Limerick that day that Tom got four, Garold got four, I sorry Garold got one five and Kyle got four. Like that's unheard of in modern uh, hurling. So like the physicality in my head isn't as big an issue as opposed to how Kenny set up, uh, especially on puck outs, um, trying to kind of nullify that space. And so that's where someone like Nicky Quaid is just exceptional and such a vital component to that Limerick team. In all the injuries that we have, he's ultimately the one guy, in my opinion, we can ill afford to lose. But I suppose one thing here in Limerick, we'd have always said, uh, Richie, and even we saw it maybe in the Munster final, sometimes we tend to be... Uh, better when we're bitter as somebody said it and my own take is that I think that Kilkenny are going to be coming up a little bit bitter and again referencing the last year's 20s final I thought in the stand Kilkenny crowd were venomous in the first 20 minutes of this year's league final belong Cork when Kilkenny had a, a right go off us geez there was some edge in them and I just I really really look forward to it and, and do you know what the beauty is here Richie if you're talking about a, a seismic mindset shift and as much as you were saying there, the Limerick hurling culture has kind of changed. Mm. I think the culture of us as people has changed with them. Uh, before, if we were going for four in a row, we'd, we'd be digging everyone and we'd be jiving and all the rest. All I can hear in Limerick uh, about this Sunday is that they have a major game ahead of them to win. There's no talk of four in a row. There's no talk of success. And I think that's the one thing that we'd always be grateful for, for this Limerick team is, is how they make us feel as a county about ourselves and how they've kind of taught us those core components that we took off from Kenny, that whole idea of just being the humility. And um, do you know what I mean? I suppose, irrespective of how the game goes, and obviously we want to win it, and we do everything in our powers to win it, mm. I just think what they brought to us as a county and a people, it's it's changed how we were. And, and if you originally, the genesis of this program was about 2010. Well, if you go back to 2010 in Limerick, outside of Hurling, we had a very low self-esteem through a lot of the feuds that went on and everything else. So, just we're we're changed people, thankfully, and I think our hurling team is a huge part to play in that. 
That's very well said. Uh, hurling, it is anyone's game. Off the ball has teamed up with Senior Hurling Championship sponsors. Borgosh Energy to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact hurling has had on people's lives. Case in point just there. Uh, for full competition details, please visit borgoshenergy.ie forward slash BGEGAA. Gents, thank you for your time. Before you go, uh, I just want to go around the houses and check by how many Limerick are going to win uh, this weekend. Although I don't think you're going to be, uh, as you mentioned there, uh, that overt about it. Andrew, first of all, how do you think this one's going to go? Uh, I think Limerick by four hopefully simple as Niall uh, 15 or 20 right? <laughs> uh, honestly it's it's on a knife edge and given the history of even draws in recent years it's not beyond the bounds of it runs the possibility that we could be back here talking about this next week yeah Paul uh, one score I think and it's very possible that could end up a draw as well but one score I think it'll be very close on Sunday OK gents thanks so much for your time this evening I really really appreciate it and thanks for reliving uh, those days with us with Limerick Hurling it was great to relive him. <laughs> Hurling on off the ball with Board Gosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game.